My goodness, welcome everyone to season two. Beep, 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 beep. What did you think of the new intro? Isn't it amazing? I had like really, really high hopes for it, and I'm pretty pleased with how it went. There were some things that I don't know, future seasons, we'll see how how it changes. Something very exciting um, that we're doing new for season two. Oh, by the way, welcome to ABTTG. Anyways, back to Godfather. I don't think I ever said that. Um, In case you forgot what podcast you were listening to. (laughs) Surprise! We have a very exciting thing that we're going to do, but it's going to be announced at the end, so stay tuned. Only the deep fans are going to (laughs) know about our new exciting Only the true listeners. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just letting you know up up front, you'll want to listen all the way through the end for this one. Um, But we're going to recap the films that we watched in 2021. And technically, we are recording this in 2021. <laughs> so Lauren has Oops. told me that she is still going to watch a movie or two. So asterisk, because it's not complete. But anyway, and to be clear, these are movies that we watched in 2021, not necessarily came out in 2021. So number 30 was Spotlight, then Ringu, which is the original Ring film, then Grave of the Fireflies, Nomadland. Phantom Thread, Three Billboards, Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Encanto, Diabolique, Goodwill Hunting, The English Patient, Kramer vs. Kramer, this is number 20, Wolfwalkers, Hail Caesar, Rain Man, Metropolis, The Dig, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, The Pianist, Judas and the Black Messiah, 1917. That's 30 through 11. And this is not an ordered this is just all the ones that I ranked as four and a half okay. stars. Because I ranked 31. Okay. Um, West Side Story from mm-hmm. this year. And Spider-Man No Way Home. So I'll talk about those two later. Kramer versus Kramer. Mm-hmm. On Golden Pond. Mm-hmm. Hell or High Water. Cinema Paradiso. Ooh. Goodwill Hunting. Cinema Paradiso was 37 on my list. Uh, Rain Man, Sound of Metal, um, the Intouchable, yes, I love that one, Children of Heaven, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, it was the first time I watched them this year, mm. Wolfwalkers, oh. Platoon, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Hotel Rwanda, oh. The Pianist, Vice, mm. Metropolis. I don't remember loving Metropolis, but I rated it so highly. <laughs> I did too. I think it's just very impressive for what it is. Ordinary People and Grave of the Fireflies and The Prestige. Mm. I know there's a lot of, uh, and oh. I'll get to this when I talk. Go ahead. And Temple Grandin. Mm, mm-hmm. I thought maybe I put Temple Grandin in the top one. We had a really good cinema month last year because a lot of the films that we picked were ranked Made very it. highly for me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, we've picked our cinema month films for this year, but 
it'll be interesting watching them. I don't know that they're going to be quite as good <laughs> across the board, <laughs> but we'll see. I might be speaking a little prematurely. My number 10 film, and I didn't, I just barely ranked these like today and sure. So I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it, but number 10 that I actually just suggested is The Father, mm. um, which was a nominee for Best Picture last of 2021 mm-hmm. or 2020, I guess, with Sir Anthony. What's his name? Anthony <laughs> Hopkins. Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, it's basically about Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and kind of explores how you might feel or experience the world if you have Alzheimer's. And it's just, it's really well done. It's heartbreaking. And I, I love, I have this place in my heart for little old patients and <laughs> how hard it is. They're so cute. And he's so cute. <laughs> he's so cute in it. Um, well, that's actually my number seven. So I'll go ahead and talk about it. It's so good. Like, the acting in it is just cream of the crop. I am really sad about Chadwick Boseman and how he didn't get Best Actor. And I think the way that the Academy did it and the way that they set it up for that expectation and dropping it was... They really botched it. However, Anthony Hopkins 100% also deserved <laughs> the Oscar because he's incredible in it. And I love everyone else who's in it as well. Olivia Coleman, Mark Gatiss, Olivia Wil- uh, Williams. Just really good across the board. But yeah, like, it was so emotional for me. Like, I was crying. And you all know that I really don't like old people. <laughs> like, the fact that I love this movie so much just tells you how brilliant it is. and. It really did give me such a deeper appreciation for how hard it would be to go through something or to live in a world where you, like, you just were always confused. So, loved, loved The Father. Highly, highly recommend it. My number nine is funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's Romeo and Juliet by Baz Luhrmann. Oh, okay. From 1996. It, it's not a favorite. Like, it's not for lots of people. Like, my brother told me that he and his wife tried watching it, and they turned it off after 10 minutes because oh. they couldn't handle it. <laughs> but I thought, I'm like, I'm a big fan of Boz. Yeah. My, my family's a big fan. My mom, I think, has pretty much all his movies owned. Um, and this movie was just, like, so intense and, like, all over the place. It has baby Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, my gosh. And Temple Grandin. Claire Danes. Oh, okay. And it also has baby Paul Rudd, and he's so cute. (laughs) So handsome. But I don't know. This kind of set me into a Romeo and Juliet craze. Like, I watched, not really a craze, but it made me, inspire me to go back and watch the original that, like, we watched in ninth grade. Also set me up to love West Side Story this year, I think. Mm. Lots of people think it's a little over the top, I think. But I mean, like, do they not realize that they're watching the Boz Lerman film and that is exactly what it's supposed to be? <laughs> Plus Shakespeare. Like, they're actually speaking the Shakespeare words okay. in, like, a modern context. Oh, so, like, okay. people who are going into it, like, expecting a fun movie, they're like, I don't understand a word that they're saying because they don't. Uh, okay. They haven't read the play. They don't understand Shakespeare words. Yeah. 
but I loved seeing his interpretation and how he made these these plot points that are supposed to occur so long ago fit into the modern world. Mm. And it's so heartbreaking. Oh my gosh. It's so beautiful. I want, I, yeah, I, really only the Lerman film I've seen is Moulin Rouge, which I really, really enjoy. So I'll have to give it a chance sometime. That in Australia. Isn't that by him mm-hmm. as well? Yeah. You but haven't it, seen that one though yet. It does have Hugh, which is a major <laughs> deterrent. <laughs> Well, when I watch it, and my mom's like, "Go back!" <laughs> she makes me rewind and watch it again. Hugh watch Jackman. The Hugh Jackman scene. Is so <laughs> He's so handsome, so Australian, and Nicole Kidman, my hero. <laughs> All right, my number ten is actually West Side Story. I think it just blew me away because I really do not care for the original. And I don't really like the play that much. Like, I think there's fun music in it. And I get, like, I appreciate what they're trying to do. But I just think all the other times I've come in contact with it, it's been by predominantly white people. (laughs) Because we talked about this. And they just had really great casting. And, I like, the messages finally actually resonated with me of what they were trying to say and what, I don't know, just the conflict and the, like, historical set piece of immigrants and racism and culture clash and poverty so i just i loved that the cinematography like steven spielberg oh it was so good oh from the very beginning like when you're looking at at, like everything in the slums being destroyed and then just even through the end like oh those end titles were so beautiful and everyone was leaving during them and i was like you guys are the biggest fools um (laughs) But I actually cared about the characters. I think that's the like my main complaint with West Side Story and a lot of like tellings of Romeo and Juliet. I don't care about them. Like I'm like you guys are just so dumb. I don't believe, bad choices. I don't believe in your love. You're just being dramatic and like I don't get it. But like this one, I felt the gravitas of it all, and I felt like they actually like even though I was rolling my eyes at some points just because. I think it's stupid <laughs> the way that they're like <laughs> oh I just met you but now like my whole life let's evolves. get married yes and like I can't live without you type thing yikes <laughs> but I like bought it so much more than I ever had in any other West Side Story or Romeo and Juliet setup the singing so good they did oh my so gosh good. the dancing I the cameos like I just loved it so much. Highly, highly recommend. I cried so much. <laughs> <laughs> My number eight was The French Dispatch. Mm. This one came out this year. Wes Anderson's film of 20... I think it was supposed to come out in 2020. And I, like, signed up for the emails to get, like, the yeah, information right. in 2020. Yeah. Um, and it got delayed. And Rachel and I were going to go see it, but it just didn't work out. So then we each had to go by ourselves to the theater. <laughs> <laughs> and that was your first film by yourself. It was the first time I'd see, gone to the movie theater by myself, yeah, which was on my bucket list. So it I was, can die now. Uh, go, please don't. It was my, <laughs> uh, my second. First was Cats. <laughs> oh, but what about Encanto? Oh, that was your third. That was my third. It was just later that same day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I so I'm just a huge fan of Wes Anderson 
he's going to come up two more times on this top 10 <laughs> list. <laughs> and so just watching this movie, like I could see all of his, all of his little quirks and all the nods that think the things he uses in every single one of his films. And there are all these things that reminded me of fantastic Mr. Fox, which is my most favorite Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> like I was reading the letterbox reviews and people were like that fantastic Mr. Fox moment. I was like, yes, that's the best. <laughs> um, but also it had some of my favorite people in it. Adrian Brody, um, Willem. Willem Dafoe. I don't know. I just, there were a couple of vignettes that weren't my favorite, but there were a few that I was just like, this like warms my soul. Mm. There is nudity in it. Female nudity for anyone who is considering watching any of our movies. So if that offends you, then steer clear. <laughs> but it is, um, yeah, yeah. But I enjoyed it a lot. I have, like, I think back on that night where I just kind of made a split-second decision. I was like, I'm just going to go to the theater and watch it. <laughs> and I have so many good feelings about that night. So. <laughs> no regrets. No regrets. Turns out my number nine is actually Lauren's number one. So I'm going to go with my number eight, which is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Which was my first time seeing it this Aww. year. I want to rewatch it because I feel like the first time I was watching it, I loved it, but it was like, I think it's just going to get better each time I watch it. And I also want to rewatch it after reading The Odyssey. So funny. It's got a banjo in it, so you know I'm, about, I'm all about that. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know. I don't feel like I've seen a ton of George Clooney films, but it seems like such an oddball film for him. <laughs> he does such a good job I, in it. He's been in a lot of oddball movies, I'm realizing. <laughs> he's kind of a weird guy. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> So it's just, it's delightful, and I think it's, like, a pretty lighthearted watch, but something that just makes you laugh. Like, it's a little bit absurd, but and not George quite. Ab- is, he's so handsome in it. He is. Not quite absurdism, but it's very fun. I just remember watching it. I watched the first half of it during a night shift, <laughs> like, when I all my patients were sleeping, and I was just, like stifling my laughter (laughs) trying not to disturb anybody and that's the other thing is I feel like I have to watch it with you because when you like you laugh so hard at it that it just makes me appreciate it so much more (laughs) oh I love it so much um my number seven is Minari oh this was another watch that this is another um Oscar nominee of last year for best picture and it's just so sweet. It's this Korean family that lives in the Midwest, and they're trying to build a farm. I thought the acting was phenomenal in it as well. Mm. And I don't think, I think that they were nominated for acting okay. parts. But obviously the acting pool was very, very difficult <laughs> yes. this last season. But yeah, and they're not very well-known actors, so mm-hmm. I thought they did amazing and of course, my brother is in Korea right now, so it had that kind of nostalgic part. I made my mom and brother go see it with me. And that's the only reason they came is because I was like, it has Koreans in it. Oh. <laughs> and my mom just told me she just bought it. So, Oh my gosh. It, it made the Jill cut. But it, is, it does have an old person in it. Morning. <laughs> but she's so funny. And she is, she's one of the best parts of the whole movie. So I love that needs to be on the like parental guidance (laughs) there is an old person (laughs) it may be disturbing for some viewers (laughs) 
Okay, number six. I don't think I ever talked to you about this one. <laughs> it's called Hedgehog in the Fog. It is I think you did talk to me about it. The cutest. I love it so much. I need to watch it again. When I rediscovered that I'd watched it this past year, I was like, oh my gosh. So I watched it because one of my favorite podcasts, Criminal, thanks for the tip, Kim. She's the one who recommended it to me. Uh, shout out to Phoebe Judge. <laughs> That's the host. She always just says, I'm Phoebe Judge. And it like fills my heart with warmth. Um, <laughs> she talked about it because uh, I don't want to go into this long story, but essentially people were like making copies of it and they shouldn't have. And then there's this whole ordeal of copyright issues. And then like people wanted to have copies of it and other people couldn't. Anyway, it's on YouTube. It's a short film. It's animated. It's in Russian. It's literally one of my favorite films. It's number six on my top ten, and I watched a lot of really good films this year. So, I don't know. It's just delightful, and I loved it so much. And just to think about the animation style, and especially the time that it was created, and what's happening in, like, Russian cinema history. Oh, I just love it so much. (laughs) Hedgehog in the Fog. Is it sad? I think... It might be a little spooky. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was so great. I just, I feel like you have to go into it with a, like a cinephile historic eye. Like it's not super, super lighthearted and it's probably a little bit boring, but I just love it so much. <laughs> My number six was A Star is Born from 2020, I think. Mm. The reason why I wanted to watch it was because. It was nominated for Best Picture in 2020, um, and I'm trying to watch all the Best Picture nominees, which is not going very well. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite, this is an aside, but I originally started out with that challenge, and Lauren was judging you for it, and then I gave up on it, and she took it over. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not going in order. I feel like you were going in order, and that was rough. I was. Yep, that's right. From oldest to youngest. I mean, oldest (laughs) to newest. Yes. Okay, but... So they have all the A Star is Born movies. There's four mm-hmm. on four remakes. It's not like four different, four in a series. They've remade it four times. Um, and so I, I saw all four of them were on HBO Max. And I knew that I was going to watch this one eventually, this newest one. Oh, no, it was made in 2018. It's kind of, it's less recent than I thought. And so I watched the original one and it was... Not my favorite until the last 10 seconds, and then I cried. (laughs) (laughs) Broke my heart. And so uh, I already, like, had this love for the story, kind of. And then I already have this love for Bradley Cooper, and he sings in it, and he's so handsome in it. And so it all just came together, and I just, I loved it. I bawled my eyes out. Um, this was the one that I was watching on Clearplay, and the filter for the F word was just a little off. <laughs> so it would bleep right after the F word. So I got through about like, I got through probably half of it, and I was like, I should stop. <laughs> I should contact Clearplay and tell them this is not working. And then they fixed it, so then I could finish it. Hooray, Clearplay. But oh, and then I also love the shallow song. Mm-hmm. And so. And that's the best part of the whole movie is when they sing that. So I loved it. <laughs> I hear great things about it. I'll have to try and watch it sometime when I can use your clear play when I'm back in Utah. 
I already deleted my Clearplay account. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll get it back again, especially if they have House of Gucci. I'm waiting to see if they oh, do that. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm. I know, I was looking at that and The Kingsman, and I was like, uh, just enough to keep me from going <laughs> to the theater. <laughs> R.I.P. Okay, my next one is The Florida Project, and since I already talked about it in our Cinnamon recap, I'm not going to say too much about it, just that brilliant and heartbreaking and love Willem Dafoe, and now that I live in Florida and I pass things that are in that show, I'm just always thinking about it. So it just, it really resonated with me and was very impactful then, and I still think about it a lot now, and just very well done. Florida Project. That was a good one. I think it was a little bit too depressing. Dark for me. Yeah. Mm. Maybe just like the girls living this horrible life. Yeah. I was like, this is sad. But I did love Willem. <laughs> and the fact that you run around like those kids. <laughs> <laughs> I am literally those children as a 26 year old woman. Um, my number five. It's another silly one. <laughs> it's return return to me. This is from like the nineties nineties rom com. Oh no. It is literally about um a woman who gets a heart transplant and then falls in love. It's named after a Dean Martin song. Oh my gosh. Um Return to Me is a Dean Martin song. I don't know if he wrote it or if he just made it popular or what. But I was listening to it with my mom, and she was like, have you seen this movie? Like, you have to see this movie. It's such a Jill movie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> a 90s rom-com. She loves it so much. And she, she was like, maybe you shouldn't watch it because it's really sad. And it's just because there's this one part with the dog that it's so sad. I, oh, like, was just... <laughs> Did that take off <laughs> Any half dog? a star? No, because the dog didn't die. Oh, Okay. It was just really sad. <laughs> oh, it's so sad. Oh, my gosh. But in, like, this wholesome way, I don't know. So good. <laughs> Not so good, but <laughs> I don't know. Like, I was watching this movie, and the whole time I was like, this is so cheesy, and I love it. Oh, my gosh. And there's, like, this this group of Italian-slash-Irish grandpas, and they, like, have – they play poker together – and they're always making all these funny comments about the romance that's happening. Oh my it's gosh. It's just so cute and so wholesome. And the main guy is David Duchovny, who is Fox Mulder in the X-Files. Oh my, that so is this is what This was the last straw to get me into watching the X-Files. So as oh. I watched this and I was like, I'm in love with him. It all so comes like, together. I'm going to watch the X-Files now. Because he's so cute. He's And my mom the whole time, she's like, he's so cute. Oh my gosh. So this was kind of like a bonding movie for me and my mom. I love it. Just so wholesome, so cheesy, so Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, <laughs> just everything, everything. And there's a Godfather reference. Oh my, you know I'm going to prove that. So maybe one day I'll make you watch that part at least. Okay, my number four was In the Heights. Mm. I listened to the music a lot before I'd seen the film. Like, I, it's on my running playlist, and I really got into the music. Um, and so then, like, watching it was so fun to see it visualized. Um, and 
it was beautifully done. Like the cinematography is incredible. The vocals, the acting, the appearance by Lin-Manuel. <laughs> Never going to be upset about that. And uh, um, Washington himself. It's just so fun and also very much rooted in questions of Im- immigration and poverty and tensions and clashes and being proud of where you come from and trying to pave the way for the future as well. I love In the Heights. It's so good. I want to watch it again. Mm, it's just amazing. Um, I did see this one on HBO Max and I did like it, but it didn't make my top 30. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, that's okay. My number four movie is another Wes Anderson. Very classic. Um, the Darjeeling Limited. Mm. And I think the reason I love this one is because of Adrian Brody. <laughs> He's so cute in it. But it's this story about Adrian Brody, Owen Wilson, and Jason Schwartzman are brothers, and they reunite on this train. Um, I think their dad just died or something. And so Owen Wilson has orchestrated this thing where they can all be together and then go to the oh no, the funerals in the past. It's kind of got like some flashbacks and stuff, okay, which were cool. But it's classic Wes Anderson. It's funny, but also there's like, for some reason, I always love the movies that demonstrates the relationship between brothers. Like this, this masculine demonstration of love. Mm -hmm. I always appreciate those. I don't know. They just hit my heart. Always. Like, that's why I really love, one of the reasons I really love. um, At Eternity's Gate. Yeah. It's the brothers. And then. There's other movies, too, that I'm like, oh, one that I said, Hell or High Water, Mm. was another one because of love between brothers. But yeah, and they're on a train, and they're going through India, and it's really funny, and they're crazy. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. (laughs) It's just really fun, and I loved it. I'm going to have to put that one on my list. I don't think it's even on my radar. Um, I think it's only on my radar because it's Wes Anderson. And Adrian Brody. Um, was the first film you watched with him The Pianist? I think so, yep. He was so good in that. I understand why you're obsessed. He did such a good job. I think when we saw King Kong at at Sarah and St. George mm-hmm. when it came on the TV for a second, I was like, whoa. Like, he's <laughs> Who gorgeous. Who is that man? <laughs> <laughs> the guy from The Pianist? <laughs> but then I think it was this movie that solidified I was like, I love him. all right my number three is roma which also was a cinema and so has been discussed on the podcast so i will just say that go listen to that episode if you really want to know my thoughts on roma but just beautiful and impactful and many feels so i really loved roma um i think i forgot to say that one in my top 30 because i Actually, I had ranked it as five stars on Letterboxd, mm. but thinking back on it, I don't have the kind of feelings I have towards the other ones that I really love. Like, I think I was just really impressed with it in the moment, mm-hmm. and I loved that it's about Mexico, um, but I I think I need to watch it again. Mm. Um, but it definitely should be in my top 30 because I did rank it. It's, yeah. like, ranked as my top five on Letterboxd. But. Yeah, and we watched it, like, almost a year ago, so I understand. Yeah. It's been a while. But it's I just think, like, the 
like purposely choosing to shoot it in black and white and all the symbolism with like the water and the car and I don't know there's just like so much I would I definitely want to watch it again too but Mm -hmm. so good yeah you have to think about or read a little bit about it or it's not a fluffy movie Yeah. yeah it's pretty heavy my number three is my octopus teacher oh I think I watched that and in not 2020. One. Yeah, you watched it first. It came out in 2020, yeah. Okay. But I watched it this year. Oh, I'm so um, pleased. I ranked it as five stars. And so it, and I only ranked like five movies, five stars. So they're all up here, except I took out Roma because I didn't, <laughs> I wanted to re <laughs> reevaluate. That. It's just beautiful. It's so, the cinematography is so beautiful. And I think that as a child, I always wish that I could live underwater like breathe underwater Mm -hmm. see the animals underwater so I could kind of live that dream watching this film and the octopus is just so sweet such a sweet creature I've seen it so many times and I still cry every single time I watch it so so good and it's just like it's a nature documentary so it's like it's accurate and real and doesn't cut anything out which and, is really hard, but... Yeah, and no shade on, like, David Attenborough, but it's a refreshing nature documentary. Like, it doesn't feel like, you know, those routine, run-of-the-mill ones that we have so often, which I love Planet Earth. Like, I love them. I'm not trying to say they're, they're terrible, but sometimes they feel like you're watching the same thing over and over again. So if you haven't seen My Act as a Teacher, highly recommend. Yeah, I feel like we talked about that one, too, previously yeah i think it you gave it to me on my deserted island oh yeah probably my number two is ordinary people again another <laughs> uh cinemonth i just really was deeply impacted when we watched it and absolutely loved every part of it and goodwill hunting i feel like is kind of a similar vibe or similar themes and ordinary people just resonated with me a lot more um I love Thomas Hutton. Is that his name? But he's in The Haunting of Hill House. So that (laughs) is in points. I also love Donald Sutherland. Timothy Hutton, not Thomas. Timothy Hutton. Awkward. You mixed up Henry Thomas. (laughs) Yeah. And surprise, Elizabeth McGovern. It's a great, great movie. Meaning Cora from Downton Abbey. Oh, yeah. I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Ordinary People is very, very excellent much love um yes i did list it in my top 30 so would recommend my number two is sense and sensibility from 1995 i watched this after i finished the book i kind of got into a jane austen craze last at the end of last year i can't remember why um but i said i was gonna read the book and then i was gonna watch the movie I think I was planning on watching the movie because it isn't. It was nominated for Best Picture in '95, mm-hmm. and so I was like, I should read the book before I watch the movie. So I read the book. It's got Emma Thompson, Kate Winslet. It also has Hugh Grant and Alan Rickman. Wow, quite the star-studded cast. It is such a good cast, and they all do such a good job. Emma Thompson is so good. She she was exactly the person I imagined while I was reading the book. Uh, and this is the first time I had read a Jane Austen book before seeing the movie. So that was a special experience for me. 
Did you enjoy the book? I did. I love the book. Oh, okay. But I love Jane Austen, so. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure the book made me cry. But I just thought they did such a good job with it and so heartwarming. My number one, you actually, it did make your top 30, so I'm pleased about that. My number one is Sound of Metal. I think we discussed it briefly in um, The Deserted Island. I think, yeah, I gave it to you. It was just, I had been watching really good films for Cinemonth, and then we watched, and then we were watching all the nominations for Best Picture, so like, a lot of really fantastic films, film that made it into my top 30. I remember just watching this and being like, I think this is my favorite film of the year, and it was so, so good. Riz Ahmed, who is in Rogue One, he's like, he's a pilot, is that right? He's Bodhi. He's the main character, loses his hearing. And just the journey that he goes on and the community that he finds and the questions that are brought up and the way that this question of like deafness as a a disability, but deafness is a way of life and like not a disability. It just was so beautiful and heartbreaking and just this incredible story and so many emotions. So amazingly well done. I love the sign language in it. Just, ugh. I love it, love it. The thing that I really appreciated about it was that it wasn't this, like, one note, like, hey, he lost his hearing and, like, his life just sucks. Or, like, oh, hey, he lost his hearing and, like, he accepts it and it's perfect and, like, no worries. Like, I just really appreciated all the different ways and aspects and, like, I don't know. There's just so much to think about. I loved it. Oh, I need to watch it again. (laughs) Okay. My number one film of 2021, Grand Budapest Hotel. It just has all of my favorite people in it. It's, I think it's Wes Anderson's best movie besides Fantastic Mr. Fox. His mm. best live action movie. Which, and I think it's the only one that was nominated for Best Picture. It's so funny. It has all the Wes Anderson, just so odd <laughs> in this endearing way. I just, I just watched it and I was like, I love this the whole time. It's so good. Mm. It's so good. I will now insert my comments. Okay, my number nine is Grand Budapest Hotel. So here's Wes Anderson showing up on my list, which is a surprise because I appreciate Wes Anderson films. I don't think I love them quite to the same extent that you do. I'm trying. <laughs> they're, they're, he's more nostalgic for me because of Fantastic mm, Mr. Fox. Okay. There's I mean, a nostalgic element for me. I like, I, I think he's fun and the quirks and specific things that he does is really eclectic. So I appreciate it, but it's not necessarily like my top of the top. And truly, if this film was with anybody else in the main role, I don't know that it would be as high on my list as it is. (laughs) But I have to give a shout out to a Ray Fiennes film because I'm so obsessed with him, at least in 2021. So he's showing up. But it is just very well done. A lot of people think that this is one of Rafe's best roles and one of Wes Anderson's best films. So I'm not just picking it just for my obsession's sake. (laughs) But it is, it's quick-witted. It's very goofy, but it's also just very fun and well done. So it's, I feel like out of, even besides Rafe being the main character, it, it comes up in my mind a lot more than other Wes Anderson films. Um. That was my number one top movie of 2021. Are you serious? Oh my gosh. You should have stopped me. (laughs) Yes. We love 
uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Such good films. Mm. It was so fun to go back and, and look at the list and... I know, and be like, we watched that this year. Right? It was a good year for films. But now it's time for our sponsor story. This first episode of season two is sponsored by VidAngel Editing Options. thought that was very appropriate. I think we've referenced it, or at least we've told this story to like people in real life. So just sit back and enjoy hearing it again. I think it was actually for The Godfather being our first film to watch on VidAngel. Is that right? The famous movies that we never watched because they were rated R. Yes. But the problem with VidAngel is the things that you want to take out are described so vaguely that you can't, you don't know if they're like really, really bad or if they're like important for the plot or if you can take it out and still like understand things like. Because <laughs> they're trying not to spoil things. But right. I think they have adjusted this. Yeah. But that's how it was when it. So I was going through and trying to figure out what would be too graphic and too much. <laughs> Our little innocent selves. Now we just watch the God. Like it's not even. It's 1970s violence, for better or for worse. But anyway, they're very vague descriptions like man shoots man, <laughs> like <laughs> things like that. And one of the things that you could edit out <laughs> was man bites hand. <laughs> and this is infamous forever. We just were like, oh, that's the most violent thing, oh, being very facetious about it. And we are like very aware of it now. And whenever it shows up in any film, we're like, oh, read it R for violence. Oh, man, my hand. Too much, too much. <laughs> that is the beginning of our, I don't know, it's just an ongoing joke that we have. And yeah, anytime a man bites a hand in any film or in any circumstance, now you know you could be in on it. <laughs> All right, now we're going to do our top five films from that came out in 2021. I wanted to mention Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Mm. Um, it wasn't my favorite Marvel movie, but I thought it was well done. But I loved it because, mostly because, the main guy's dad, who's the bad guy, reminded me for some reason of Michael Corleone. Oh and my gosh, I think you this, told me like, that. Yeah, he had this, like, godfather vibe, but also, like, this handsome old guy, like, power. He is very handsome. Oh, so, my anyways, gosh. That's why I wanted to honorably mention it. <laughs> I think the only one that I would want to mention would be A Quiet Place Part 2. Okay, number five, I said Encanto. <gasps> that's my number five. Oh, and this was a good one from Disney. I always loved movies with Spanish in them. Love the music. Mm -hmm. loved bruno this is it's not my favorite disney movie i'll say that yeah i love coco billions times more <laughs> well coco was pixar and it's mexico so of course okay of course it. it's um, so funny i don't really know why they like people say that they like market it to be like coco and stuff i'm like it's super different they're like very... it has nothing to do with coco yeah i mean like about family but like what disney movie's not about family you know i don't know <laughs> yeah it's so different just the fact that it's 3d animated and it's mostly in spanish right. not in spanish but based in a spanish-speaking As... country right doesn't mean it's the same <laughs> exactly <laughs> i did enjoy it and i do own one song i saw this the night before it was released in theaters because I love seeing Disney movies, especially when they come out around Thanksgiving. It's like one of my favorite feelings. Mm, a new Disney film at the theaters. I love it. I cried a lot in it. <laughs> um, 
it's interesting. I feel like there's a lot of discussion about the oldest child, but I, I like totally connected with Mirabelle and like youngest oh, sibling yeah. and like so many of the things that she wants and tries to do and like oh man it like oof it got me so I I loved it um I think it does it's not like a perfect Disney movie but it's definitely one that like I want to watch again and I really enjoyed and it's interesting because I didn't really enjoy the music that much until recently because they play it all the time there's like a setup (laughs) for Encanto right across the way from Flame Tree (laughs) like you know that, that little stage they're constantly playing Encanto music, so I was like, I should listen to it again, and now I'm, like, totally in on it. I love the credit song throwback to our mm-hmm. credit song podcast episode with Megan and Natalie, but the one about the caterpillars and butterflies, I don't understand it, most of it. I only know <laughs> Mariposas, but I love it. It's so beautiful. I know. Everyone's always asking me, like, what's that last song say? I'm like, when I first, like, we've talked about this. I don't listen to lyrics in right. English or Spanish. So yeah, the first time I listened to songs, like, I would have to go back and read it to yeah. really catch the meaning. But but it is beautiful. I think I was just hoping for a little bit of a Lin-Manuel cameo. That's my only regret. Oh, which I, I think know, a lot like of people... Moana. Yeah, I think a lot of people are really happy he didn't do a cameo because people <laughs> are stupid. But that was my favorite thing about um, In the Heights. Not my I favorite just, thing. I just love Lynn Manuel so much. My number four is another Disney movie. Well, Pixar, mm. Luca. Mm. Um, I thought Luca was super cute. Not Pixar's best, of course, but um, I love Italy. I've never been there, and I don't speak Italian, but because <laughs> of The Godfather. <laughs> I love everything that has to do with Italy. And I thought it was very wholesome. It is. It's like cute. a very lighthearted summer flick. My number four is The Dig, which I watched twice within like the same month. <laughs> um, I read the book first, so which I thoroughly enjoyed. It's about the Sutton Hoo Dig in England, um, which is a big archaeological dig. And how many times can I say dig in one sentence? I just absolutely love this film. Like, even just thinking about it. I wish I could rank it higher, but it's not as important, I think, as the other films that I have above it. But, like, on an emotional level, this one just, like, really resonates with my soul. It's so beautiful. The shots, the acting is incredible. It has Rafe. (laughs) It's the reason I watched it. Um, This is why. But it has Carrie Mulligan in it, and she does an amazing job. And what's her name? Lily James is also in it. But, like, woof, it just makes me cry. And it's, I, I, don't, I watched it with Deb. She loved it. I actually watched it on the flight <laughs> to Florida and because it, it brought me some great comfort. The score, oh, the score is amazing. And they don't have it anywhere. And it breaks me into and I'm so upset about it they haven't released it but it is seriously like the most beautiful score I've ever heard why haven't they released it I don't know because I would buy it so fast Netflix films I just highly highly recommend it's on Netflix 
Oh my gosh. It's, it's seriously just thinking about it. Like my chest is expanding, like my soul, my heart, like I can just feel it all. Oh, it's so good. So love it. Love it. My, my number three, my number two, I had a hard time deciding which to rank higher, but I think number two one because of nostalgia. Um, but number three, I said West Side Story, which was in your top ten. I don't even know what more to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> I really oh. went. I said a lot, so. Yeah. It, Steven Spielberg just did such a good job, and it's his he first really musical. Did. That's true. First time he's done a musical, and he did it so good. It is so good. I love the lighting. Some of the scenes, I was like, that's beautiful. My favorite part of the whole movie, and this was true of the 1961 version, is when they're dancing for the first time, and it goes, I was gonna buy that score after we watched the 1961 one, and then I didn't. I don't know why. And I loved that they had, like, it was the same dance. Like, Steven used all these things from 1961. That's what I was gonna say. So many homages to that original movie. Yes. Like, I feel like, even though I didn't super love the original, he was so respectful of it, and... Mm -hmm. But kept made a lot it of better. Chore- yes, yes. It kept a lot of the fun same choreography that, like, is probably the best part of the film is the choreography, so. And, like, the, even the settings, like, the basketball court. Mm-hmm. Like, for some reason, that's a big part of what I think of in the 1961 movie, and, like, that wasn't it. Oh, and how he played on, like, the lights turning on in the basketball court, like, in the 1961, <laughs> there's no explanation. Like, suddenly yes. the lights are on. And he can sing this dramatic song, but in the in this one, he's like kind of making fun. Like this is this would not happen in real life, except. Yeah, i kind of I really liked how he kind of blurred the lines. Where sometimes you're like, oh, we're in this musical world. Where like, is this person really singing, or is it just like, <laughs> you know, like their feelings and their emotions and they're being expressed in this way? And then other times it's like, no, these this is like happening in real life, like in the not the jail, but like you know, when the they're sitting the office. Yeah. And the lady is like, wow. What is going on? <laughs> but again, I loved all the Spanish and I loved that he didn't use subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um, I read that he hates using subtitles in his films mm. and didn't want to use subtitles. He wanted the Spanish to just be itself. Mm. And so I had all these little inside jokes for myself <laughs> where they would say something <laughs> funny in Spanish and no one else knew. <laughs> It was so so cute, and they just did such a good job. Yeah, I really liked it a lot. My number three is Judas and the Black Messiah. This is one that I like. Don't have a lot of specific memories about, but I just remember it was very well done and very impactful and very heart wrenching. And just everybody in it did such an amazing job. Like it's interesting to see this like very similar subject matter dealt between this and the trial of the Chicago seven, like things that are happening at the exact same time, but, and like some of the characters blend and like are in both films, but mm-hmm. focusing on two very different aspects of it. It's just very interesting. And just like ugh, the corruption of the United States government and the FBI. And yeah, my memory <sighs> is just being outraged at yeah. the end being like, how can they do this? Yeah. So who gave them the authority? Just, just so just terrible. Horrifying. The importance of Fred Hampton and his story. And there's this stigma against the Black Panther in our remembered history. And the reality of what they did and what they stood for is very different and a lot more noble and important than I think the popular collection 
and collective narrative around it because of what the, the FBI narrative. wanted. Exactly. Because of yeah. how the FBI wanted to spin it. Mm-hmm. So very important film and just incredibly well done. Number two was Spider-Man No Way Home. And I still don't want to say any spoilers. This summer, I watched all the old Spider-Mans with uh, my brothers. We watched the first three because Megan, my sister-in-law, hadn't seen them. That's right. The Tobey Maguire ones um, at Bear Lake. And we just love them so much. (laughs) We, like, we quote them constantly. They're just so good. Um, In kind of a bad way amazing they're just so special so nostalgic like i have memories of sitting in my bed probably as a 13 year old watching spider-man 3 on the little dvd player oh my god because gosh. My, my brothers couldn't watch it because they weren't 13 yet so i was just watching it by myself in my <gasps> and just crying <laughs> but it was just so fun and it was like this is not the best movie i've ever seen <laughs> this sure. spider-man movie it's got all the gimmicks like the marvel stuff um, all like the the manipulation of your feelings and <laughs> all the tropes that you know this is gonna happen. Um, but Willem Dafoe is in it, and he's so cute because <laughs> he he's being he's like transported in this world, and he's like this little homeless guy, like looking for help. <laughs> he's got his little sweaters on, and he's just like, "Can you help me?" Oh, he's so cute. I was just sitting there squealing in the theater. <laughs> I think everyone was like, what the heck is wrong with her? But, and then they took, it was so weird. Like, they've taken all these things that have become these huge memes and, like, these mm-hmm. quotes that, like, the old Spider-Man fans just love. And they they took those and brought them back into the movie. So, like, so many times we're like, oh, <laughs> he said the thing. <laughs> It's just so fun. It was so fun to watch it with my family and one of my favorite theater experiences watching mm. it with my family. I did cry one tear. Just a solitary tear. My number two is a side story, which I've already talked about. If you want to hear me, just rewind. <laughs> and then my number one was the French Dispatch, mm. um, which I've already talked about. My number one was in the Heights. So Ray, Ray. Okay, this is the one I might be the most excited to talk about. Top five worst films of the year. Unfortunately, a lot of them, there weren't too, too many that made it onto this list, but many of the contenders were Ray Fiennes films. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Films I would never watch otherwise, except for my obsession. So, number five is Skyfall, which is my only James Bond film ever. I've not seen any of like the classics and I think like from a cinema history point of view I, I could probably appreciate them I just think like the character of James Bond is so blah <laughs> he's just like such a he's just this macho man and he just we treats like and maybe well I think him but also like the film franchise treats women so terribly that I'm like Bleh. but this movie was fine except for the ways that like it made no sense i loved rafe in it and i loved what's his name javier bardem Mm. he's the main villain and like love 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 him but none of it made sense like (laughs) um if you i know you have lauren but anyone in the audience (laughs) of this podcast if you've not seen the um ryan george pitch meetings on youtube 
he essentially just like makes fun of films but in the form of like someone who's pitching the film to an executive and the one that he does for skyfall is so funny because the major problem i had with skyfall um was james bond in the very beginning literally falls off a waterfall after being shot and then is it inexplicably okay like somehow he survived this and they never explain it that happens in so many movies i know but like it was people don't survive falling off waterfalls in real life i know but just he like got shot so many times and then the height that he like none of it it was it just was so bad and so he made fun of that which i appreciated but then there is this like long complicated intense chase scene that happens with javier bardem and it's, like, entertaining to watch, but when he breaks it down, you're like, oh, yeah, this was super unnecessarily complicated, and there's no way that this villain could have, like, made this all work in the context of his own timeline. I don't know, it's just, <laughs> it's really funny to watch. And that's the point of these movies, right? They're not to be taken, like, super seriously, but I just was rolling my eyes hard <laughs> during much of that film. Did you finish it or no? I did. It was so dumb. <laughs> I did only in the hopes that Rafe would be there at the very end. I have an honorable mention. Okay. Because it wasn't my one, it wasn't in my least ranked, but I just, it was so, it's a huge disparity between popular opinion and my opinion. Um, it was Barry Lyndon, which is a... Stanley um, Kubrick? Stanley Kubrick, yes. It's Stanley Kubrick's movie, This it's like one of the top 250 on imdb so i had to watch it it is three hours long and it's about this horrible man (laughs) (laughs) i i think this is the problem with reds too which you saw it took me three days to finish Mm -hmm. i started it in the car on the way to bear lake and just like so bored by it like i couldn't even i had nothing else to do in the car but i just had to stop and like pause and not think about nothing because i didn't want to watch it (laughs) number four is cape fear from the 80s or 90s i think it's the 80s right it was the 90s 1991 oh it was 1991 okay yes um it's with robert de niro and it's so bad (laughs) (laughs) this is my number two oh my gosh oh my gosh it has its moments like when he's with the fireworks lounging. Yeah. Um, and his abs is <laughs> ripped. He, it's just... Okay, so let me explain that for my spooky series, Cape Fear was on the list, and then Lauren wanted to watch it because it's a Martin Scorsese film, and it has Robert De Niro in it. But I meant to pick the one from the 60s. Anyway, we just, like, got confused and watched the wrong one. Later, in the same month, watched the correct one. And the the original one is, like, not amazing, but it's not bad. Like, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's really well done, and it has, um... Gregory Peck. Yes. I don't know. Martin Scorsese just took it and was like, what are the parts that are just background? And let's, like, make them terrible. Like... <laughs> Like, his relationship with his wife, and there's just so many things. In the original, the ending scene, the ending battle, also drags on and on. But 
I wanted to cry because it literally <laughs> felt like two hours it just of kept going. Robert De Niro being impossibly alive again. <laughs> it's so bad. Still not over. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, and Robert De Niro, I don't know. He, I guess he did a good job portraying the character. I'm pretty sure he was nominated. Yeah, he did. He did do Oscar. Yes. Yeah, but he made moments, some but... decisions in the portrayal of the character that I was like, what the heck? Oh my gosh. And there's one part where he hangs onto the bottom of the car and, like, drives with them all the way across, I don't know where, but I was like, how does he do that? <laughs> it really is so laughable. Oh my gosh. Oh my Such gosh, this was the movie that I was watching it. My family knew I was watching a scary movie, and then afterwards my mom was like, why were you laughing so hard? <laughs> I was like, because it was so stupid. Like, these scary parts, this woman is dying, and I'm just dying of laughter. <laughs> it's so There's bad. There's blood all over the floor, and he, like, slips on it, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> So bad. Oh, my gosh. My number three is Joseph King of Dreams. <laughs> oh! This, have you seen this? No, I haven't. It's, I, I think it's DreamWorks. Essentially, what I wanted was to watch my favorite comfort movies on the plane from Utah to Florida. So I wanted to download Anastasia and I wanted to watch Prince of Egypt and neither of them were available. So I watched what I thought was the next best thing. And let me tell you, if you watch Joseph King of Dreams with the hope that you will get some sort of Prince of Egypt happiness from it, you're going to be so disappointed. It is so trash. It is like, oh my gosh. It's not good. Just don't bother watching it ever. (laughs) But then I watched The Dig and that was more than enough. So it all worked out. Is it a cartoon or is it real life? It's a cartoon. It's like in the same animation style as Prince of Egypt. And it like it has like one or two redeeming songs, but nowhere near to the degree or majesty of Prince of Egypt. Well, I guess I'm only on five because I talked about my honorable mention. Oh, um, oh yeah, sorry. I'll, just, I'll be really fast with this one. Dangerous Liaisons. It's just straight trash. <laughs> um, all about, like, sex and betrayal and John, John Malkovich? Oh, boy. He's, like, the main guy that's supposed to be this sexy, like, seductive man. And the whole time oh, I was like, gosh. Ugh. <laughs> so ugly (laughs) why and he's like he's got this like powdered wig and like he's speaking in these seductive words it was just so bad it's not worth it was not worth it except it had Keanu Reeves in it (laughs) oh my gosh young Keanu Reeves and I did enjoy him babes in toyland young Keanu Reeves or a little Mm -hmm. older oh my gosh a little bit older it was 1988 so Oh my gosh. He's pretty young and he's pretty cute. Um, my other one, my next one is Wonder Woman 1984. Mm. That one, I saw that one in theaters. Mm. Wait, did I see that? I think I saw it in January, like the beginning of January. Oh. January 2nd, we went to the theaters. Um, but I enjoyed the first Wonder Woman movie. I thought it was fun. I don't yeah, think, I don't think she's the best actress. Mm. Um, but she is, she's a beautiful, strong woman. But this movie, I don't know. Oh, the 
the main villain is Pedro Pascal, the Mandalorian. He was mm. just so, like, goofy, but he wasn't trying to be. Ooh. And the plot didn't make any sense. Like, her boyfriend comes back in another man's body, and there's, like, oh, this yeah. problem. Anyways, I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was really... Oh, my gosh! And Kristen Wiig is also a villain. And she turns into this Catwoman, and the animation of the Catwoman, the CGI, is horrible. I'm like, it's 2021, and you are making this with CGI? What are you thinking? It was like, my eyes were bleeding. It was so oh. bad. <laughs> my gosh. Yeah, I didn't hear very good things about that one. No, and I think it was like a pretty, like it was one that also got pushed back. Like people mm-hmm. were sad because they were like, excited to see it, but it was not worth the wait. It was a disappointment. Wow, well, speaking of disappointments, that leads into my number two. Woman in the Window. <laughs> I remember Aww. having this trailer drop in, like, October of 2020 and, like, getting so hyped because it was Amy Adams. It felt so Hitchcockian. Hitchcock. It looked spooky. Like, the, the way that the trailer was cut, I think I got scared tears. Like, I was so excited for it. And it was such a disappointment. Like, it had some fun Hitchcock references and homages, which I appreciated. But, like, so dumb. So boring. Very unbelievable. Like, uh, oh, I hated it so much. Like, they tried so hard to have this twist that was just like, huh? (laughs) Like, I don't buy it. Oh, it's so bad. And it was, like, probably just your run-of-the-mill, like, meh movie i probably wouldn't rank it so high but it's just because i had like such high hopes for it I was so disappointed so don't don't watch it it's not good um yeah i think you were like do you want to watch this with me and i looked at the reviews and i was like i don't think so <laughs> i should have just I listened think to you You should watch it and tell me what you think but i don't really think i want to watch it my next one number three uh we already talked about num- my number two so we're good uh, my number three is Dune from 1984. <laughs> my family watched the new Dune, and it was pretty good. It didn't make my top 30, but um, it's kind of cool. So we were like, oh, my dad had seen, I think he had this memory of watching the old Dune and falling asleep. It's awful. <laughs> Andrew said, I told him I gave it two stars, and he was like, oh, that's pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> like he said he would have given it zero. Um because Dune is based on this book series that I think there's like six books and they're the new like movie thick. they're thick books the new movie is only based on the first book maybe mm. or even half of the first book like it it takes a chunk like a tiny chunk out um but this movie they tried to cram all six books into one movie and the first first hour the movie's two hours long the first hour is basically the plot of the first movie so the first book and then they crammed the, the last five books into, into the, last the last hour oh and so that's when you just lose it you're like i don't know what's happening anymore like this is going so fast like there's all these montages and anyways even the first half it's like this creepy 1980s special effects the baron guy if you've seen it you know who he is but he's like worse then in the new movie he's like this almost like creepy goofy like almost like a clown like it's just so horrifying and disturbing and 
just not good. And there's one part where they fight. They have, like, these shields so they can fight and not get hurt. It looks like they're Minecraft characters. Like, it's just the worst CGI of my life, and I was not impressed. <laughs> wow. I, so don't I'll, don't watch it. I'll steer <laughs> Unless clear. Unless you want to laugh. <laughs> Unless you want to waste two hours of your life. Oh, my gosh. Well, I've already done that by watching my number one worst film, which was Made in Manhattan. <laughs> Rafe. Rafe. And Jennifer Lopez. Okay, so I was talking to Emma in, like, March, and I was telling her, like, you know who's great? I love Ray Fiennes. And she was like, you need to watch this terrible, terrible film called Made in Manhattan. And I was like, mm, okay, maybe someday. And then in the summer, I think, I watched it, and I was like, texted her immediately, and I was like, you were exactly right. It is so bad. <laughs> Number one, I hate rom-coms to begin with, but it is... Yeah. Oh my gosh, it is so bad. Rafe has this tendency to, like, have the worst wardrobe. Like, none of his clothes fit him well. That is, like, just a constant... I think it's more of, like, a 90s trend than anything. Yeah, it is. Like, in... I made Deb watch this Prince of Egypt behind the scenes with me. And there's a part where he's, like, talking, and she's like, what is his shirt? It's so baggy (laughs) and awful. And I'm like, that's just Rafe. But... It's just the 90s, yeah. He, like, his character is so dumb. <laughs> like, <laughs> just every aspect of that movie, the worst. It's so, so bad. And I also kind of loved it a little bit. <laughs> <gasps> what? Just because it's Rafe. Just because it's Rafe. It's so bad. It's so dumb. I hate it. It. Those are hours of my life I'll never get back. <laughs> never watch it. I don't plan to. <laughs> my number one worst movie this year... Maybe it's kind of harsh, but it was Caddyshack. Mm. Um, I watched it because it's in the... I, I don't remember if I talked about this in our one with Maddie, the overrated ones. We might. It might be. Might be. So I won't spend much time on this, but it's in the AFI top sports movies. Um, and so I, I've been also working on watching all the AFI movies. Anyways, there's like five lists that I'm working through, and it's it's Bill Murray... Yeah, so there's out. a warning flag for you. <laughs> <laughs> I like Bill Murray, but actually I don't like this version of Bill Murray. It's like all of his bad characteristics. Mm. Where it's like raunchy and actually in this one he's more just like a stooge. Just like this dumb guy that doesn't really know what's going on. Kind of a background character. He's not one of the main okay. guys. But oh, I think the other guy that's in it, it's one of the main characters, is in Community. The old guy. Oh, oh, yeah, yep. That makes sense. Yeah, and so it's like this raunchy movie about golf. Yeah. And I don't like golf to begin with. Yeah. And then there's like this chipmunk. Oh, this is like the side plot. Bill Murray's trying to get rid of the gophers of the Mm -hmm. cat, the the golf course. And so he's always trying to blow up the the gopher. And then the (laughs) gopher will come out and like dance and it's like 80s like a little animatronic (laughs) it's so horrifying (laughs) but I did not think it was funny I maybe laughed one time and I didn't think it was worth my time wow I guess I should explain some of the plot of made in Manhattan instead of just saying it's bad to help underscore why it is so terrible Jennifer Lopez plays this maid in a 
like hotel in New York in Manhattan. <laughs> and Rafe is this person who's trying to run for office and is just like, nah, I don't care about publicity, but he's just like this down to earth guy, right? And she tries on, she's cleaning the penthouse and she tries on the lady's clothes and he he sees her and is like oh let me walk you around and she has a son and he like bonds with Rafe and his dog and then she goes on this like elaborate lie and has this oh it's so bad oh my gosh no the miscommunication exactly it's trying so hard to be like look at like maids are good people too and it's just like whoa so bad like the way it delivers it is just so cringy it's so bad (laughs) okay any films that you're excited for in 2022 um just because we were talking about made in manhattan and i went and saw west side story they played the trailer for I think it's called like "Marry Me" or something like that. Yes, oh, have you with seen? Lopez. And Owen Wilson, and it feels like the exact same film, except for the oh roles are reversed. Gosh. And I <laughs> was cringing hard in the theater. I'm pretty sure I heard the people behind me be like, "Oh no, <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, it looks so stupid." So you're excited about it? I'm terribly excited for it. Um, um Death on the Nile. Are you excited for Batman? Yeah, Sonic 2. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I unironically love the first Sonic, so. Turning Red, thoughts on that? I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it's it will Pixar. be good. I'm, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be some Pixar element. I really don't like the animation. It feels yeah, so really different. like pets, Secret Life of Pets. I don't know. Yeah, I just... it does seem like... Like the illumination. Yes. Yeah. I just um, really, I don't know. I think I would be more excited if she turned into a cute little red panda. Mm, like an actual of, size red panda instead of this giant monster red panda. Yeah. So we'll see. I love red pandas. Lightyear. Yeah. I've decided that I will reserve judgment. I'll, I'll wait and see what they can I do for me. I personally am excited for Lightyear. <laughs> because... Um, I love Buzz. Downton Abbey, A New Era, which is probably going to be another (laughs) awful cash grab, and I will absolutely go to it. Um, Wes Anderson apparently has a movie coming out, Asteroid City, that has Tom Hanks. I already told you about this. Along the same vein is uh, Downton Abbey, The Fantastic Beast, The Secrets of Dumbledore. I will probably go to it. We will probably (laughs) get in a fight about it in HPBC again, but it'll be worth it. Thor, oh Love and Thunder. I'm so excited. It's the Taika Waititi's coming back to direct another Thor movie. Oh, okay. Because that's, that's my favorite Marvel movie ever. It's Thor Ragnarok, so I have high expectations. Um, here's one I cannot wait for. July 22nd, 2022. Catch me in the theaters for Nope by Jordan I did Hugh. see that when I was looking at movies coming out and I was like oh Rachel's gonna love that one I cannot wait it's been too long since Jordan's come out with a film and it looks like it might be about aliens so you might have to come see it too I thought it said it was gonna be a sequel to get out I mean it could be but like have you seen the the poster for it like it looks so looks like stranger things it looks so alieny but yeah Daniel Kaluuya is in it 
who he was in oh, Get Out. But I don't know if it's a se- like no details have been released. No one yet. knows about it. But I love that it's called Nope. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, the second Spider Verse. Is that coming out next year? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, there was a trailer for that one. Oh, maybe it was in front of Spider-Man. Apparently there's an Aquaman sequel coming out, which I loved Aquaman. Oh, Avatar 2, I guess. The second James Cameron Avatar. Not that I'm super excited about it, but... All right, well, thanks for uh, holding through all our film discussions, and now here's our exciting announcement. We are starting a film club, and this... (laughs) Before I moved to Florida, I was going through some old papers. When I was like 10, 11, 12, I tried to start all these clubs exclusively for my family, but they had like the longest acronyms, like Alfred Hitchcock Movie Club Fan. Like, it was like so unnecessarily wrong. Because today I've been thinking, like, what could we call ourselves? Or like, what is the, the, I don't know if you belong to the movie club. So if you, Lauren, or any of anybody who is going to join this movie club, has any ideas of of what to call this officially, I'd be more than grateful. However, so let me give you all the details. So each month, we are going to pick a film to watch. And if you watch it, we have a very exciting reward for you. Um, We've teamed up with our friend, friend of the podcast. (laughs) Sarah Stoddard is going to be drawing some artwork for each film that we watch which will be available to you in the form of a magnet or pin depending on your preference Um, and at the end of the year if you've completed our 12 movie challenge there will be a print of all the um, all of her drawings available as well so all you need to do is watch the movie and then send us your thoughts your feedback your reactions anything like that Um, to our email at abttg95 at gmail.com. And we'll be reading those on the air. This is now live. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the other other fun thing about this, and I should mention that it's still a little bit up in the air exactly what the cost will be, but I'm assuming there will need to be some form of money exchange just to offset the cost of production for the magnets slash pins which will only cost like a dollar or two dollars each so then some no. of those specifics are yeah gonna be coming out a little bit later but I think it's just like something fun obviously we love movies and so many of you have like requested these lists or just different been excited about hearing about different movies and so it's just a fun way to kind of create more of a ability to watch the same movies and discuss them and I'm excited in hearing thoughts and perspectives and different things like that the other thing is these movies that we're picking are all going to be connected to each other in some way so Lauren is picking the first film and then the next film in February will somehow be connected and it is up to you guys to try and figure out what that connection is and maybe there'll be some sort of um I don't know shout out or something or other if you figure it out so, Lauren, give us the first film of the ABTTG Movie Club of 2022. The first film is Fantastic Mr. Fox. There it is. It is my number one favorite Wes Anderson movie. So, and so it is I'm, appropriate for families. It is. It is available on Disney Plus. 
and I'm sure also available at your local library or for streaming rental on YouTube. I'm excited that you picked this one to begin the, the movie club with, though, because it's one that I feel I need to give a second chance. Um, so I'm excited to do that. Is there any thing that people, our viewers should be looking out for? Or any? Just enjoy it. It's really fun animation. Listen for your favorite people. The voice acting cast is so star-studded. So many classic Wes Anderson actors and actresses are in it. Yes. And a good um, entrance into the foray of Wes Anderson films, I think. I think it was my first Wes Anderson film. Anyway, whether you want the pin or not, please participate. Watch Fantastic Mr. Fox. And here's the other thing. You don't have to, if you don't get around to it in the month of January, as long as you complete all 12 films by the end of the year, it will, you will still be eligible for the print. But um, oh, another another thing I want to say, two favorite two favorite songs are in it. So listen and guess which ones are my favorite songs. Ooh, okay, very fun. But yes, please, please, uh, if you do end up watching, be sure to email abttg95 at gmail.com with your thoughts and reviews, um, and then let us know that you've watched it and so we can get the process of getting you your very special exclusive pin or magnet from collector's item yes from our most amazing artist friend sarah all right well that wraps it up for season two episode one um although i would like to remind listeners that if you're interested in being a guest please contact us you know how um and this month you can look forward to some good old Harry Potter times. We're having our first HPBC episode. Um, so stay tuned for that. It's going to be lots of Harry Potter. <laughs> so if you don't like <laughs> Harry Potter, brace yourselves. <laughs> or just skip it. <laughs> That's a, a great plug for our next episode. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth, PJ. Go ahead, go ahead. When Frosty sings Puccini, like, why is Letterboxd depriving me of these things? Hello, Rachel, that is editing. Please join us in 10 minutes when Rachel's done watching. <laughs> Chug in the fog! Oh my gosh, okay, it's not loading. Wait, it Chug in the fog! <laughs> Did it cut out? <laughs> Chug in the fog! Leave in the silence.